Hello everyone, I'm Cleo Wright, and this is Nomad's Vault. I'm here with my friend, the Soapbox Hero. Hey everyone. The idea behind this podcast is to delve into important historical events that have helped shape the world and that we still feel the effects of today. History is an excellent indicator of where we could be going based on what we've already come from. So today we're talking about Caesar Augustus. Mm-hmm also known as Octavian, and the beginning of Pax Roman and kind of how that all unfolded. So it really started, Pax Romana really started in 44 BC. When you say Pax Romana, what is that? Pax Romana is Latin for the Roman peace. Roman peace. So it's a period okay. of time that spanned from, uh, I believe it was 23 BC to about 180 AD. It ended with the reign of Marcus Aurelius, with the death of Marcus Aurelius, who was one of the later Roman emperors, and it started with Octavian, who was later known as Caesar Augustus, who was the official first emperor of the Roman Empire. Cool. So, so we're going to hear the story of how it started. Exactly. Exactly. Cool. All right. So Octavian was the great nephew of Julius Caesar. Okay. We've all heard that name, yep. and everyone kind of thinks of him as the first Roman emperor. Right. That's what he was trying to do, which is why the Senate had him assassinated. There's no, there's no proof that they actually gave the task to mm-hmm. Brutus mm-hmm. and what was the other guy's name? Longinus, uh, Brutus and Longinus. There's cool no, <clears throat> yeah, I like him. There's, there's no indication that Senate actually, like, paid for the assassination, but they certainly turned a blind eye when it did happen. Mm-hmm. Well, at this time, Octavian, who was already at 15, he was, he had been named the prefect of Rome. He'd already had formal oratory training. An he, oratory. Uh, oratory is speech, so public speaking. Okay. Back in Roman society at that point, if you were in a position of political power, you had to have some kind of a oratory training, uh, training in how to speak properly so that you didn't sound like a commoner. Right, so right. So you didn't sound like one of the like part of the plebeian class. Okay. <clears throat> So yeah, senators were actually an individual caste in Roman society. They were their own little class. So like how we have lower class, middle class, upper class based mm-hmm. on how we were paid. Set there was a senatorial class that that had that political power solely because they were born into a family who had political power at one point. So time. not the senate the way that most people would no, hear the word no. and think of senate as an elected official. Exactly. Now the word senate that we use now does come from this idea because the the idea of the Roman Senate was to be representatives of the plebeian class who were the farmers, mm-hmm. the craftsmen, the workers. Soldiers kind of fell in between, but generally soldiers rose up from the plebeian class right. or continued on to the senatorial class. So it was kind of a stepping stone. Or they died. <clears throat> or they died. And a lot of them died. We right. all know Roman history is rife with war and conquest. Yeah, it's pretty common back then. <clears throat> so. But not during this. But time not that during we're this about time. To talk about. Uh, there, there was. There, they were at war with the Parthians. They had been at war with the Parthians for centuries. The Parthians are from what is now modern day Syria, so kind of east of Turkey. Turkey was the extent of the Roman Empire at that point in time, and the Parthians were former Persians who were at war with them. And the Romans were expanding their borders and everything like that. That'll actually come into play a little bit later with how. Octavian maintained his power. Okay. So Octavian, at the time that Julius Caesar, we digress, at the time Julius Caesar was assassinated, Octavian was out east 
studying abroad, essentially. When he learned of his uncle's death, he returned to Italy, returned to his, his home city, and gathered 700,000, I believe they were called sectarians at the time, uh, which, which was their, their currency that Julius Caesar had left for him. He also learned that Julius Caesar had named him officially his heir. Mm-hmm. So he decided to take the 700,000 and march to Rome. Along the way, he gathered thousands of troops. When he got to Rome, things were a little wild and crazy. Mark Antony, who was the consul of the Senate, who was kind of the, he was the spokesman of the Senate. He wasn't a senator, but he was the spokesman for the senators, had pardoned, had granted amnesty to Brutus and Longinus and Cicero. Brutus and Longinus had gone east into Anatolia, into Turkey and everything like that, and taken control there. Octavian gets there, gains loyalty of two of Mark Antony's legions. Mark Antony decides, it's a little it's a little hot for me here right now, so he goes to the Alps. He goes east to the Alps. Or, I'm sorry, west to the Alps. I guess you could get there if you went east. You if could, you went long enough. You could, but it would take a long time, and I don't think they had, without magnetism, I don't think they would have made it through the Pacific. Maybe. Who knows? Not me. I'm not the expert. Nope. So, out in Gaul, the Amps, the, the Alps, the Amps, it's right up the road. Can't wait for that to open back up. Things get a little weird. Octavian, the whole beginning of his rise to power can be seen as kind of snake-like, if you will. He wasn't real honest and upfront. So, with who? So all of, all the people that he with, had to worry about everyone. left. So what did he need to? Well, he still has to he, as as Caesar's heir. Mm-hmm. It's not an empire yet, so he can't just walk in and take control from the Senate. What was it? It if was it's a not an empire, a republic. So a republic is essentially what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be a democratic republic where you right. have a a senatorial class that is the elected representatives of the plebeian class and this it was like i said it was selected a little differently it had more to do with who you were and who you were born to than mm-hmm. being elected but they were supposed to be the representatives for the people so the, how do you make him his heir um if it's an election that goes that that goes into politics that i did not investigate okay. into i feel like if if trump got shot and he was like, right. "I'll leave it to my heir." They'd be like, "Nobody the, cares about your heir." Yeah, the uh, you know, the Roman Roman politics at the time was there was a senate, but there was also like a monarch almost. So it's a lot like the way England is. So they have the parliament, but they also have the queen, and the queen has heirs. It's kind of the same. It's it's a monar- monarchical republic. So Caesar was the monarch. And mm-hmm. what he was trying to do was consolidate all his power and turn it into an empire mm-hmm. to where he had all the control. He was trying to take the control away from the Senate, which is why he was assassinated. People Sounds thought, like JFK. People thought he was being too autocratic. Octavian returns to Rome. Mark Antony loses loyalty of two of his legions to Octavian. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark Antony decides, I need to get out of Rome. He goes to Gaul. And besieges a gentleman by the name of Decimus Brutus. 
Decimus Brutus was not the Brutus from the Shakespeare uh, Julius Caesar pl play. He was not the main assassin. So there were two Brutuses that assassinated, that helped assassinate Julius Caesar. So he besieges Decimus Brutus, and Senate doesn't like that, because Senate decided that this, the assassins were free and clear for the assassination. So they tell Octavian, hey, go out to Gaul and defeat Mark Antony. Octavian goes to Gaul, defeats Mark Antony, but in the in the process, the there were two consuls that took over after Mark Antony. They both die in the fighting. So once Mark Antony's siege is broken and he's defeated, Senate says, Okay, Octavian, turn over control of Gaul to Decimus Brutus. Now Octavian says, I think I have a better idea. How about you make me the consul and we clear Mark Antony's name as being a traitor to Rome? Senate doesn't like that, so they refuse, so Octavian turns around and marches back to Rome against the Senate. Mark Antony goes to Hispania, where he enlists the help of a man How did, So hold on, Mark Antony's still alive. He's still what alive. What do you mean he defeated him? He defeated, defeated him how? He defeated his army. So he why wouldn't he kill him? That's what you do. But he didn't, because he's smart. Because he wants, he wants Mark Antony's troops, and he wants Mark Antony's assistance in creating an empire. So he, he, okay. So Mark Antony arranges a coup to kill his uncle. So his uncle dies. It's and not. And he's afraid it, of, of, Caesar, of this, of Octavian. He's like, oh, sh he's going to think I did this. So he leaves. He runs away to one of the co-conspirators of the whole deal. Besieges the co-conspirators. Conspirator. Besiege. What does that mean? Lays siege to their city. Attacks them. Okay. Encamps around the city and tries to starve them out. So he's now fighting his co-conspirator. Okay, so he does that. Mm -hmm. And then Caesar, sorry, Caesar, Octavian mm -hmm. goes over there and defeats all of them, or defeats him, stops him from, like, starving out Brutus. Correct. Right? But he doesn't <clears throat> kill him. Nope. He just kills a bunch of his people, enough for the dude to be like, all right, enough, we get it, like, we'll stop. It's strange, isn't it? So then That's he's like, exactly. okay, cool, Th stop doing that, now get out of here. But he keeps all of his people. Mm -hmm. Keeps all of his troops, but lets the leader of those troops leave. Okay, I think I'm caught up. Okay. okay. It's really weird. Yeah, that isn't, certainly not anything we would do now. No, absolutely not. Absolutely. So anyway, so... So <laughs> Mark Antony goes to Hispania and okay. enlists the help of a man named Lepidus, who is the ruler over Hispania, so the entire Iberian Peninsula, Spain, Portugal... Mm -hmm. Elicits them for what? Uh, just to help, to help. Uh, they're not saying it yet, but they're they're enlisting help to create the empire. To help Octavian. To help Octavian. So he goes in there, kills most of his people, takes the rest of them. Yep. And now this dude is like at his debt. Yep. Like I'm gonna support you after yep. I killed your uncle. That's exactly what's going on. <sighs> okay. Aren't we glad we don't? It's a roller Rome? coaster. Yeah. Man. <laughs> It's crazy. <clears throat> okay. So Octavian returns to Rome. Mm -hmm. Senate doesn't have an army because Octavian took them all. So Senate has to give him consulship. By force. By or, force. Or by yeah, force. by force. Right, basically. So this is, what, this is the beginning of what's called the triumvirate, the second triumvirate. Mark Antony, <laughs> Lepidus, Octavian, the second okay. triumvirate. So 
now that they have kind of control over the Senate. The what Senate, is a triumvirate? Three people ruling? Three people, yep, exactly. Okay. Exactly. So what they do is they split up the empire, or they split up the republic. It's not an empire yet. They split up the republic. They give Lepidus, North Africa. He's kind of the third wheel. All he really did was give troops. He didn't do a whole <laughs> lot else. So you get North Africa. Yep. Sucker. Mark Antony takes the east, everything east of Rome, east of Italy, and Octavian takes everything west of Italy. <clears throat> so in 40 BCE, Mark Antony decides he's going to wage another campaign against the Parthians. Remember, we talked about them a little bit before right. they were modern-day Syria. Yeah. Old war, yeah. He screws up bad. So he goes to Octavian and says, hey, give me some troops to go defeat the Parthians. And Octavian says, nope, you can do it on your own. So he, Mark Antony decides to go enlist the help of Cleopatra, his lover. He marches on Parthia with a combined Egyptian-Roman force and does not protect his supply lines properly, and the Parthians decimate their armies. He's forced to retreat. The king of Armenia at that point in time betray was a member of the Republic, kind of one of the outlying territories of the Republic, and he didn't give Antony any kind of assistance, so he kind of betrayed Rome based on that. But Octavian didn't give him anything either, so nope. why did how was one a betrayer and not the other? Because Octavian is higher than Mark Antony in the hierarchy. So the, hierarchy. the other guy in your what you're saying is the other guy shouldn't have had a choice and should have given those people up because yep. he was lower. Correct. Okay. Correct. Okay. So in 36 BCE, Lepidus, you remember talking about him? Mm-hmm. He was given North Africa. He decides to try to land grab Sicily. So Sicily was from who? From Octavian. This is this is all so convoluted and crazy, is it not? Well, yeah, I'm just trying to keep track, man. Yeah, There's a absolutely. lot going on. So he tries to land grab Sicily mm-hmm. from Octavian. Octavian says, oh, you can't do that. Now you're out of the triumvirate. So now Lepidus is exiled, and his lands are taken. So now Octavian has control of North Africa and the entire west of the Republic. Um, and, he, yeah, he continues to consolidate his power that way. So now the triumvirate is down to a... Biumvirate? Biumvirate. Tag team? Tag team, yeah. Dynamic duo? Yep. The dynamic duo, Mark Antony and Octavian. Back on Mark Antony's side of the world, Mm -hmm. he's able to muster a new force and attacks the Parthians. Again. Again. Screws up again. Mm -hmm. Forced to retreat. But on the way back, he beats up on the king of Armenia. Well, he marches back to Alexandria in Egypt, which was, at the time, Cairo was not the capital of Egypt. Alexandria was the capital of Egypt. So he marches back to Alexandria to celebrate his quote-unquote victory mm-hmm. over the king of Armenia. The Romans do not like this. Victory celebrations in war were generally reserved for Rome at that point in time. It's, uh, it's kind of one of those, well, that's going against our code of honor. At the same time, they didn't like Cleopatra. They saw her as, you know, she was Julius Caesar's consort and now he she's mark antony's consort and they see her as an invader and as a foreign whore and yoko ono yeah, exactly yoko ono the the worst part about this was in the in the speech that mark antony gave at this victory celebration it's called the donations of alexandria he officially declared that cleopatra and julius caesar's son caesarian is the true heir to the roman empire hmm. to the roman republic you can see how that might tick Octavian off just yeah, a probably, little bit. Yeah, probably, yeah. 
at that point, Octavian's fed up with it. He tells Mark Antony he's done. Mark Antony attacks Actium. Uh, this is one of the this is one of the most decisive naval battles in the history of the Empire. Mm-hmm. Uh, Octavian absolutely annihilates Mark Antony and Cleopatra's navy. Now, Mark Antony and Cleopatra, being who they were, decided to turn around and run away. Mm-hmm. They they left most of their navy there to be destroyed. They returned to Alexandria with only about sixty ships. Well, Octavian decided to chase them down, chases them all the way to Alexandria lays siege to Alexandria, Mark Antony tries to put up one last stand and is crushed by Octavian's superior force. At that point, he's frantic. He's trying to find Cleopatra, and she doesn't want to see him because she's, she's embarrassed. Because she's embarrassed, and she's, she's a failure. Yep, exactly. And she's a. I mean, how many battles do you have to lose, mm-hmm. man? I mean, wasn't Octavian had beat him early? Yep. While he yep. was trying to beat on his own friend, that's, that's like he was four, never that's successful. That's five in the story so far. Yeah, some so people don't learn lessons. The, the siege of Brutus against Octavian lost that. The first campaign against Parthia lost that. The second campaign against Parthia lost that. The Battle of Actium lost that, and now Alexandria. And this is the capital of Egypt. Egypt wasn't part of the Roman mm-hmm. Roman Republic at that point in time. They were independent. So Cleopatra doesn't want to see him, and in his anguish, I guess is the best way to put it. He stabs himself repeatedly in the stomach as a failure drama king would. So he killed himself? He tried to. He failed. Oh, yeah, he just inflicted wounds upon himself. Okay. I just wanted to clarify what... So Cleopatra hears about this and has one of her servants bring Mark Antony to her because now she feels bad because he stabbed himself. Oh, I thought you were going to be like, she killed him. No. (laughs) He does die. He dies in her arms and then she quote-unquote, takes the asp, so she allows a, a pet asp that she had to bite her, and she dies. Well, now Mark Antony's dead, Cleopatra's dead, mm-hmm. Egypt's ripe for the taking, and Octavian is the last surviving member of the triumvirate. He goes one step further, and this is something that we kind of see, I mean, it's pretty pretty horrible of him to do, but he kills Caesarion, the young child, the one who was... Yeah, I mean, you got to protect your investment. Yeah, exactly. So at this point, Triumvirate's over. If if, um, Game of Thrones has taught me anything, (laughs) you kill all the babies babies. that might be a problem in the future. Otherwise, they're going to come attack you with three big giant dragons. Yeah. Of course, they only had the one by the time they got to King's Landing. Yeah, she didn't didn't take very good care of those dragons. I would have been far more... Uh, nervous about those things getting hurt. I mean, yep. That's the only thing you had, man. That's the only yep. reason you were in control. Yep, exactly. Can't keep losing them. Anyway. Anyway. We digress. <laughs> yes. Um. So now the triumvirate's over. Octavian right. remains the most powerful man. Right. He stands the most powerful man sure. in the Republic. So he returns to Rome, and as a celebration of this, he takes a new name. He takes the name Augustus. Okay. Um, Augustus or he's given the name Augustus in 27 BCE by the Senate, and Augustus means illustrious one. So there's this big, long name that he's called at this point, and it's really, it's funny to me. He changes his name to Imperator Caesar Divifilius Augustus. So that's his name. Emperor Augustus, son of a god. Caesar had been raised up to the status of a god at that point, so... Romans and their big, long, fancy Latin names. Yeah, man. Well, I mean, when you're 
you have to go to school for speaking. I'm sure the names are, you know, there's a lot more meaning to the word than now. Yep. Names don't mean a whole lot anymore. Absolutely. Back at this time, you were you were given names, or you had to earn names. You weren't just, you couldn't just, I couldn't just walk off from the farm one day and say, hey, I'm Augustus now. I'm the illustrious one now. <clears throat> like, no, work. you're a peasant, bro. Your name's get back, get back to the Greg. Field. Get back to the field. shut up, Greg. Greg, shut up. Go Greg. back to the fields, Greg. <laughs> you're not Augustus. You're not illustrious, Greg. Stupid Greg. Go back. You know, go, <laughs> <laughs> go back to harvesting yeah. wheat. Go milk peasant. a cow, Greg. You freaking dolt. <laughs> Try to come up in here. So, so here's where. Octavian really starts ramping up his consolidation of power. He removes around 300 senators that weren't 100% loyal to him. He kind of stacked the Senate all along the, all along the way here mm-hmm. uh, with senators who were loyal to him. Yeah, he wanted yes-men, people that would do yep, what he wanted exactly. and supported his word. He also sure. removed, who, who doesn't want that? I mean, yeah. everyone would like it. Yeah. I mean, if you could do it, why not? Yep. He also removes around... a. A thousand Equestrians, and Equestrians were rank in the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. He got rid of a bunch of people that weren't on Team Augustus. Right, exactly. Cool. All right. He got rid of a bunch of people who weren't on Move Team, past Team Augustus. Here we go. <laughs> so here's where the here's where historians generally agree that Pax Romana started in 23 BCE mm-hmm. when he did this. Senate votes uh, mil- Militum Imperium. Nope, I'm sorry. Imperium Maius, supreme power to Octavian. So now at this point, he is completely in control of the Senate of Rome, of the of which is the whole Republic. How, how far reaching is Rome at this point? At this point, it extends from Spain into Turkey, all of North Africa, including Egypt, and then north to the Rhine and Danube, the, the rivers in Germany. Okay. Yeah, so, so it doesn't, doesn't yeah, it doesn't quite go into Netherlands, but most of Germany, all of France, all of that is part of this is the this is the greatest extent of the Roman Empire. And we can see right here. This was all the Roman Empire right here. They're controlling all that water. They con- yep, they're controlling the Mediterranean. Yeah. The Mediterranean yeah. has long been a disputed piece of yeah. water. Okay. So <clears throat> He's voted Imperius Maia, Imperium Maius, Imperium Maius, Latin words, um, supreme power. Mm-hmm. He has control of the Roman Republic. He uh, establishes a peace, be- peace with the Parthians, you know, the ones that Marcus, mm-hmm. uh, that Mark Anthony. <laughs> Kept that kicking his ass. Mark yeah. Anthony, yep, exactly. Um, he creates the first institutionalized firefighting and police forces. He starts building roads. So the, the big, long Roman, uh, Roman road network that everyone knows so much about that have stood the test of time, that was all Octavian. Octavian created that. Good road builder. Yep, Great. absolutely. Uh, enacted sweeping tax reforms. So what he did there was he, he leveled the taxes. Previously, individual tax officials had the ability to raise or lower taxes depending on how much they wanted to line their pockets. Uh, Augustus did away with that. So Octavian at this point is Augustus, right? Just so we don't get confused. Yeah. So he does away with that, and he creates a flat tax for everyone in the republic, uh, and it's really an empire at this point. Um, this is generally viewed as the the, the true start of the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. He incentivizes 
families for having more than three children. He penalizes families that don't have children, and he makes adultery illegal. He oversaw some of the most important... What was the point of that? Uh, Wouldn't you think people banging neighbors would get you more kids? Well... That seems like it'd defeat your purpose. Yeah, I'm not... (laughs) Is it a religious thing? Yes. No. The Romans were not... The Romans were pretty lascivious. The moral thing? I mean, why would he... It just seems was, counterproductive. If you want people to, to procreate as much as possible, right, why would right. you put restrictions on how they procreate? Right. Especially when back From, then they were pretty liberal about, you know, who, they sleep who sleeps with, with who. Yeah. And, and, yeah. You know. the, the impression that I got from my research was that it prevented feuds. So, say, guy A has a child with girl A and then has a child with girl B. Uh-huh. Well, now who... Which which of the girl B or girl A's families is the true heir to that person's, you know, all his property or whatever the case may be? I think it was it was more geared towards that. It was more geared mm. towards keeping pure blood bloodlines. I guess logistically that would make sense. You wouldn't want to have to worry about. Yeah. Okay. I'll buy that. Sure. Okay. At this time, he also started and completed some of the most important Roman. Uh, construction projects, the Baths of Agrippa. You've you've heard about Roman baths. The Baths of Agrippa were kind of the the ultimate example of that. The Pantheon, the Forum of Augustus, and a forum is a speaking place, which was important at that point in time. And then the Temple of Caesar. He created those four. He he planned and carried out those four projects. And then the other thing that the the thing that we really that still affects us today is the eighth month of the year is named after. Augustus. August. So after he took control of Rome, he had to do four main things to keep the keep the senators happy and kind of create the illusion that it was still a republic. You know, it was still governed by people representing the people, by men representing the people, mm-hmm. and not a an autocracy. Mm-hmm. Not a dictatorship, so he had. To but they gave him absolute power. So why right, would he need right. to? They they voted. They voted that he had absolute power for ten years. Okay, it seems like an arbitrary. So kind of, of kind of like voting voting a leader emergency power. So Star Wars, for example, voting voting Palpatine emergency powers. You've never seen Star Wars? Nah, man. Sorry. Oh, I've, I mean, I've seen, <laughs> but I, it's not like I. Base things off of it. Well, for my listeners who watch Star Wars, there you go. Voting they'll em- get it. Voting Emperor Palpatine, Supreme Chancellor, emergency power. So basically, he has the ability to create armies and kind of do whatever he wants, but he's still quote unquote under the oversight of the Senate, <clears throat> but not really. The Senate is just this group of elites <laughs> that are not elected. They're selected by their, their individual groups of people based on their family and their status. But it's not a vote. No. So who select who selects them? The people that the, the people it so you'll have an area of like farmers and you'll have some noblemen in that area and those people will I guess it, it kinda is a vote. It's not a vote in the way we experience it today. They get together and they say, Okay, this person is going to be our mouthpiece for this farm area. And everyone did that in their individual areas. So there were there were over a thousand senators across the Roman Republic. Mm, okay. So he had to do these four things to 
mask the fact that Rome had essentially turned into a dictatorship. He had to secure the northern frontiers, which were a highly disputed territory. He had to reduce the size and the strength of the army. He had to help the struggling farmers. The farmers were starving and not making money. And he had to promote confidence among the senators, making them think that they still had control. So with the northern frontier, he decided to extend the empire no further north. So it stops at the Rhine and Danube, just south of Netherlands. He built fortifications along that, and then he reinforced those. So this is the extent of the Roman Empire at this point in time, and it's reinforced. So, you know, Germanic barbarians can't come into the Roman Empire and wreak havoc. Got it. Uh, He reduced the size of the army just overall. He offered cash settlements to soldiers who had served over 20 years, so kind of a kind of a pension thing going on there. Mm-hmm. He paid the soldiers who were remaining more than they were making, and then he took this army, removed it completely from Rome proper, from the city of Rome, and spread them out across the empire so that he so that there were no large pockets of soldiers that could potentially uprise against him. He also created the Praetorian Guard which were 9,000 only Italian-born Romans who served as Augustus's personal bodyguards. Mm-hmm. They were paid significantly more. Later on, they actually helped select new emperors. I, I use the term select very loosely because when they got involved, usually it involved bloodshed and killing the, killing the, the other potential emperor. Mm-hmm. They were also Rome's security against the regular army. Then to help the struggling urban population, the farmers, like, like I talked about, he incentivized families, he, he gave them more money, evened out the taxes so they weren't, they weren't starving because they were paying these tax officials too much. And then to promote the senatorial class, he took the title of consul and tribune. So consul, we've talked about that, is the spokesman of the Senate. And then tribune is, there, there, are, two, there are two separate levels of tribune. There's tribune militum, which is uh, a high rank in the military. And then the tribune pleb, which has the power to uh, convene meetings between the plebeian class to summon the Senate to propose legislation. So essentially what our senators in this country do, that's what the tribune pleb was. So now he's got all these titles. He's, he's got supreme power. He's the consul and the tribune. And he has the largest army. At this point, he's consolidated all of his power, and the empire is born. Mm -hmm. There were a few flaws. So because of the road system and because of how he had everything set up tax-wise, the entire empire was interconnected. So if one section did fall, then it would affect the entire section, or the the entire empire. It wouldn't just affect that one section of the empire. Right. Um, and then slave labor was still a problem, which slave labor in general is a problem, but they relied it, on it heavily. But Well, how was it a problem? Uh, they didn't want to work. They weren't getting paid enough. I guess they paid their slaves. It was Roman slaves were weird. They were, they were not Roman citizens, but they were still paid to work, and he couldn't ever really find a solution to that problem. Some successes of the Augustinian system were he taught Romans to not just view themselves as Romans, 
but to view themselves as the the chosen people across the world that it was their job their their position their divine uh right to spread peace and prosperity all across the world not just not just the roman empire not just the uh not just italy or anything like that but all across the world pax romana in and of itself the entire the entire period from 23 bc to 180 ad rivaled the greek golden age under pericles which is where the Greek city-states were all united. You know, Athens and Sparta weren't fighting each other, and they were all united under one banner when Greece saw the, the largest extent of its of its uh, empire. I guess it was an empire, Greek empire. They didn't have an emperor, though. Um, and then some free speech did remain. He encouraged philosophy. He wasn't a dictator that, that completely shut people up. He encouraged philosophy. He encouraged art. Um... And then the, the construction projects that he completed and carried out were for the people. You know, the forum and the baths and everything like that were for these Roman citizens to, to live lavishly. So Pax Romana, when it ended, it ended, it ended officially in 180 AD. The Roman Empire lasted until 235 and then that culminated in the sack of Rome by Alaric the Visigoth in 410 CE, and that's where the Roman Empire was was truly destroyed, and it was all split back up among the people in those areas. Augustus's son, Tiberius, was a tyrant. Once he took power, the facade fell, and people realized, oh, we're living in a dictatorship mm-hmm. now. So overall, I see... Uh, you know, I kind of see Augustus as a success. I mean, he ushered in the Pax Romana, and he was able to create the Roman road system and tax reform and everything like that. So it, it's hard to—it's hard for me to decide if he's a tyrant or a hero. He definitely did some really shady stuff up front, some really bad stuff up front. But the end result was the golden age of Rome that lasted for. 200 years so that's about it in a nutshell that's the that's the rise of octavian if you enjoyed this content you can find me at facebook nomads vault you can find him at the soapbox hero he also has a podcast you should definitely check that out and that's all we have for today y'all have a good day thanks hello everyone my name is cleo wright and this is what is this show called again (laughs) You're going to want to keep these for, like, <laughs> fucking blooper reel. <laughs> like, I don't even know the name of my own fucking oh show. My. All right. Again. <laughs>